This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! What's up, good people? Garrett here, Jamie here to preview the upcoming matchup tomorrow. Big one in KC. Chargers play the Chiefs in division rivals. And Chiefs won last week. They beat on the Cardinals and the Chargers beat the Raiders. So both 1-0 teams. Uh, big matchup. And uh, we're going to go ahead and preview this matchup for tomorrow. Jamie, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just want to shout out to Ryan, who was here early, saying we were late. We're here. So thank you. We appreciate it. Um, okay. So where do you want to start, Jamie? I would say let's start <laughs> on, man, did you, I'm assuming you watched that game, the Cardinals. Oh yeah. Yep. Twice, I watched actually. it twice. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm regretting every second of it because I'm not really sure how much there was to learn from watching that game other than the yeah. Cardinals are really bad yep. and the chiefs are really good. So we can start there and maybe just talk a little <laughs> bit about about how the Chiefs' offense has changed um, minus Tariq Hill and mm-hmm. what the Chargers can expect to see and how how they need to go about stopping the offense. Yeah, so uh, I think the first part is, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's not a lot to pull from that uh, Cardinals game because it was. I don't even understand what their game plan was, to be honest with you, but uh, we'll get to that. But uh, first off, let's just talk about kind of this depth and kind of the injuries that are happening. Um, The Chargers uh, got a little bit banged up. We know Keenan Allen is probably not going to go this week. Uh, Donald Parham already ruled out. Uh, J.C. Jackson on his way to play in Thursday, but obviously a game-time decision there. Uh, But the Chiefs, we uh, Mahomes banged his left wrist, uh, during that game, I know you watched it twice. Ha- seeing him hand it off with his throwing hand was very bizarre. Uh, seeing him like move his ha- arm the wrong way to get that hand off. But uh, he says he's fine. Uh, kicker Harrison Butker got injured. Um, we saw Justin Reed make make one, miss one, do kickoffs. They signed uh, Matt Am- Amendola uh, just in case. Uh, Trey Smith went down during that game. Uh, Orlando Brown got hurt. Uh, they're... They're, we'll see how they do in practice today, but they're definitely banged up. Juju Smith-Schuster uh, re-injured that shoulder that he uh, injured last season. Justin Reed hurt his hand, but he was okay. And then the rookie corner, Trent McDuffie, uh, just like Keenan, suffered a hamstring injury. But McDuffie was placed on the IR, so no McDuffie uh, tomorrow. So the injuries kind of piling up in a blowout win for the Chiefs. But uh, it seems like most of those guys will be going tomorrow but at least for the very least uh they won't be 100 sh- percent kind of heading into this short week on thursday we'll take it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah lot lot going on in that game um let's uh you've got you've got an idea i know that you uh want to talk about kind of how things have changed or at least stayed the same for the chiefs here on offense with andy Reid. no tyreek hill uh offense still very efficient yeah, offense still very efficient, but just doing it in a different way. Uh, you know, we're used to the Chiefs being kind of a vertical passing attack with Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. using that elite speed to get the ball down the field in big chunks. They're still creating the chunk plays, but they're not, they don't have as much blazing speed to do it with as they did the last few years. So the way they go about it is different. And now they're kind of, re- they're relying more on formations on 
uh, creating numbers advantages on one side mm -hmm. of the field, creating space through formations. A lot of times with trips, um, trips play, trips formations, bunch formations, things like that. They're they're creating those numbers advantages, creating some chaos on one side of the field, creating space and using that space to get open. And instead of going for those big plays straight down the field on the vertical side, they're kind of relying on plays in the middle of the field. They're getting pat between the linebackers and the safeties. They're they're still very efficient with their their deep overs, their deep crossers, the posts. Um, saw it repeatedly against the Cardinals, where whether it was Travis Kelsey lined up on um, Isaiah Simmons, which I still don't know what they were thinking with that, or whether it was I don't James I don't know Schuster. who. I don't know who tweeted it, but they, they thought Isaiah Simmons was Derwin James. Somebody tweeted out. They're acting like Isaiah Simmons was Derwin James, and Isaiah Simmons is not Derwin James. No, he's not. No. No, they didn't do him any favors. No, <laughs> not at um, all. No. So, yeah, they're, they're really – when they're looking for big plays, they're looking for more in the intermediate space than they are in the deep space. They're looking in that 15, 25-yard range across the field, getting, getting balls with their playmakers in the open field and letting them run across the field in space as opposed to just chucking it deep. And they were very good at it. It seemed like almost all of their big plays in that game to their wide receivers and to Travis Kelsey were in the middle of the field, between the hashes, on those deep overs, the deep crossers, the post routes, um, and almost always coming out of a trips or a bunch formation where they were creating numbers and creating space with those numbers. And it was Steven Ru Ruiz? Ruiz, Ruiz, Ruiz. Probably. Thank you, thank you, Jamie. Uh, much better at names as we've established already. Who <laughs> uh, was the one who called? Who was talking about Derwin? But Jamie, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. And in fact, like like a kid in elementary school, I got some. I, I got a clip here, kind of like a show and tell here. I brought some homework. Um, but yeah, it's it wasn't so much vertical as we've seen with this Chiefs offense. It was more horizontal uh, and, and also hitting the seams kind of in that intermediate. Uh, you know, we sit, we've seen this Chiefs run a West Coast offense. And uh, what they did a lot on Sunday is they run a lot of horizontal passing routes to kind of put in place of those running uh, instead of running the ball. So, which means if JC Jackson doesn't go or does go, these DBs are going to have to go toe to toe with these wide receivers and these really quick passing concepts. Uh, Mahomes targeted 10 different receivers on Sunday uh, through for the most passing yards and TDs in the NFL through one week. But like Jamie and I have mentioned, the Cardinals did themselves no favor favors on defense, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, the offense no longer runs through Tyreek. Uh, they spread the ball around a lot. And the other element is when they're using these horizontal passing concepts, they're kind of neutralizing the pass rush. So what's going to be very important for the Chargers tomorrow is getting a lot of interior pressure. They're going to have to turn that up, and they're going to have to get their hands in passing lanes because those that ball's coming out very, very quick. So I want to show you guys a little clip here, which is uh, kind of what I, what I wanted to show, which is this horizontal passing concepts and this West Coast offense, which Jamie's talking about in this spacing. So I'm going to pull up this clip this was a a touchdown but this kind of showed what exactly the chiefs were doing in terms of spacing and overloading a side like jamie mentioned which is a beautiful setup thank you jamie uh so let's let's go ahead and play this clip this is a clip here they're on the goal line um you've got trips on the right there's three wide receivers you got kelsey on the other end and you've got clyde edwards hilaire they're on mahomes left side so what they did beautifully and 
as you can see, Andy Reid's a, a genius, obviously. But this is a uh, running back mesh pick here at the goal line. Three wide receivers. You're going to see him run to the middle of the field. You're going to see Kelsey then craze, uh, create some more chaos in the middle. And then Edward's going to kind of leak out to this empty side here, and he's going to be wide open. So let's go ahead and look at this thing. Three wide receivers rushing inside, creating traffic on the inside. In the middle of the field is the linebacker who's supposed to cover Edwards Hilaire. This is that spacing we are talking about, creating chaos. Here comes uh, Kelsey creating some more traffic. And then MVS, who's 11 there, is going to create that pick. Boom. Two, two Cardinals run into each other. Edwards Hilaire is wide open. This is an easy touchdown here. But this is that spacing that Jamie was talking about. They they overloaded one side. It's empty there, which is going to leave that running back, uh, CEH, here open. It's a beautiful concept, and this is that instead of running it because it's first, at, it's third and five here from the five. Instead of running it here, they're going horizontal, le leaking uh, Edwards Hilaire open. Of course, they run into each other, and it's a easy walk in for a touchdown. But this is that kind of concept that we're talking about. This West Coast air it out horizontal, and then a lot of spacing. We're going to see a lot of this on Thursday with uh, these running backs and a lot of these wide receivers too. Spacing West Coast offense, you're going to see a lot of horizontal passing concepts on Thursday. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of that, and they use that to build onto their intermediate passing routes. So they, they kind of hit you with those quick passes early mm -hmm. to get easy yards, five yards, seven yards, eight yards. And then as you start to creep up and try to smother those routes – now they're hitting you with high-low concepts in the middle of the field, putting mm -hmm. putting stress stressing the linebackers and the safeties to make decisions on whether you're going to jump the underneath route or cover the 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 over route or the deep crosser. And they repeatedly over and over and over again found those deep crossers in the middle of the field. And anytime it seemed like the linebacker started dropping a little bit deeper to cut those off, mm -hmm. now they're hitting the low concept, hitting a little a quick slant or a short a shorter over route and getting you know, 15 yards instead of getting 25, but they're still getting chunks. So yeah, they really use those, those short horizontal concepts to stress the short passing game, force people, force the defense to creep up and try to suffocate those. And then, then they start hitting you with those high, low concepts in the middle of the field. And that's where the big chunk plays down the field start coming mm -hmm. still not vertical, but still very effective and very efficient. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so, uh, as we talked about, the Cardinals did not help themselves out. The uh, Cardinals defense blitzed Mahomes 54% of the time on Sunday, which is the most he's ever seen in his career. And he threw for a career-high four touchdowns versus the Blitz, which was tied for the most in a game since 2016. They decided to bring the house on Mahomes while they're getting the ball out of their hands quickly and finding everybody open horizontally, vertically, in the middle, well, not so much vertically, but over the middle, intermediate, in the, uh, flats. Uh, in the flats they hit everybody so the the point here is the chargers cannot do what the cardinals did because there's no the, four years ever since mahomes been in the league the script has been don't blitz him because you'll find the open man every time and for whatever reason the Cardinals said forget it let's just do more of it and they kept doing it and kept doing it and that's why they got blown out of the water and they scored 40 plus on the cardinals on the road by the way this was uh, in arizona so getting pressure in the pass rush is important uh sending an extra man is also important but not doing it too often and definitely not doing it more than half the time in mahomes dropbacks yeah i think pressure is obviously important you have mm -hmm. to get to mahomes you have to make him move off his spot pull the ball down 
make things difficult on him. But I think how and where you pressure him is just as important as getting pressure on him. And frankly, I don't think edge pressure means a damn thing with mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes. I think yep, if yep. you pressure him off the edge, he's going to do that little move where he reverses the field, runs out around the edge rusher who's, who's closest to him, gets out in the flat and extends the plays. Either going to run for a big play or, or they're going to have a broken play and he's going to chuck the ball deep out of, uh, out of structure. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the edge pressure is how you're going to beat him. They have to get him with sudden, constant interior pressure. It has to be immediate. They have to make him pull the ball down. And if you get him, if you get in his face consistently, he will turn his back to the defense and run away. And then he'll turn and throw the ball up for grabs. There were at least three or four passes in that game, maybe more where he made terrible decisions and he got away with it. I can think of two off the top of my head mm -hmm. that were just clanked uh, interceptions. Mm -hmm. One in the end zone. One was with Simmons along the sideline on a deep over route. Yep. Lots of opportunities to, to turn the ball over. The Cardinals didn't capitalize on them, but the the point of the 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 point of the story here is you have to get pressure up the middle. So, mm -hmm. as as nice as it is to have those guys Mac and Bosa on the edge, this is a game where you're going to have to be creative about how you how you go about pressuring him, and you're going to have to be very intentional about creating pressure up the middle immediately with stunts with twists. You can even send the occasional fifth man through the a gap with one of your linebackers if you want to. It can't be constant, but you can do it. Um, I just don't think those edge pressures and the edge blitz packages that we saw work so well uh, against the Raiders last week are going to be as effective as they as uh, as they were last week this week. Yeah, and I think uh, just a, an important side note is uh, you know there was kind of a an uproar on Twitter this week about uh, Brendan Fajoko, uh, Brendan Fajoko getting cut, and uh, they bringing up Christian Covington, and the reason because of that is uh, like Jamie's talking about. Interior pressure is so important, and uh, we were we were able to gain some information about this and get a little bit of clarity of why they decided after Fajoko made the 53 that they would then cut him and then move him to the practice squad later was because that was the game plan this week. They uh, liked what they saw out of Austin Johnson and Tito on the interior as the noses uh, against uh, Las Vegas, so they didn't feel like they needed a third uh, nose tackle. And they wanted to bring in some more interior pressure, which they believe is Christian Covington. So the reason they were able to cut Fahoka and bring up Covington was strictly because of a game plan uh, situation here for Kansas City. And so, um, you know, the uh, everything that's going around about Fahoko is more about the Chargers kind of uh, gaming the system a little bit by keeping Covington off and then bringing him up later. But also, it's mostly a game plan thing for this, uh, this Thursday. And so... Uh, Fajoko's back. Uh, the team loves Fajoko. Fajoko loves this organization. And so once he was cut, it was, you know, they wanted to bring him back as soon as they could. And they were in constant contact and they were able to bring him back. So so the whole Fajoko thing is more, they want to get some interior pressure. They want to get some uh, pass rush up the middle in the interior, which we know is important. And that's what they did. And that's why they're bringing up Christian Covington. Yeah. And I think the other point here is, the Chargers are trying to be very intentional and very strategic with that 53rd spot. I mean, Fajoko is the 53rd man. Now Covington's the 53rd man. Neither one of these guys is really going to move the needle. The needle. I know people mm -hmm. love Fajoko. He's a great personality. Uh, he's worked hard. He earned his roster spot, in my opinion. Would have liked to see even see him be active last week, especially against a team that they were expecting to run the ball more than they did. Mm -hmm. um, but in, at the end of the day, 
they're being strategic with that last spot. They're using they're they're going to be swapping Fehoko and Covington out. I'm sure on a somewhat regular basis for strategic purposes based on the specific matchups that they have. And I think what we really saw was the Chargers just be smart about how they managed the roster system. Covington is a vested veteran. His contract would have been guaranteed had they cut him at some point after bringing him up by keeping him down uh, for the first week. They avoid that contract being guaranteed. So now they can move him back and forth on the practice squad without really having to worry about a guaranteed contract. I mean, it's pennies. It's not a big deal, but they're still being smart with their finances and their roster spot and they're being strategic. I have no problem with that. And I think also when you look at Fehoko, they knew they wanted to keep him. They probably figured they would lose him if they cut him in the first round of cuts. They keep him on. Everybody fills out their roster. The practice squads are full. Now it's harder to bring him on. I know there was talk about lots of teams potentially wanting him. It did not turn out to be the case. I'm sure if he had had a roster spot offered to him by anybody else, he would have been gone, but he's mm -hmm. back on the practice squad. So they managed the, the practice squad perfectly. They managed the roster perfectly. They managed the finances the way you want, you want to see them do it. It means that their processes internally are improving and the front office is getting better at how they're managing their people and their finances. And that's all you can really ask for. And yeah, it sucked for Fehoko. It seemed kind of cold and harsh, but it's part of the business. So I think, a lot of that was much ado about nothing, to be honest with you. The Chargers handled it well. It worked out exactly the way they mapped it out, and it's time to move on. Yeah, so uh, so we talked about you know blitzing being something that they're going to obviously have to do but not do too often. But I think the most important thing is to get pressure, and while interior pre uh, you know the edges will be important with Mac and Bosa, uh, interior pressure is uh, – the Chargers friend here, if they can get interior pressure on Mahomes, but more importantly for those edge players is to contain Mahomes and then um, make sure that he doesn't get outside the pocket. Last year in their first matchup, Mahomes ran for 40 yards. He's able to get outside. He led the league last year in completions. We got outside the pocket. So more importantly, the Chargers are going to have to contain uh, Mahomes than it is getting pressure on him. Uh, Mahomes didn't rush a lot uh, last week, but Mahomes uh, or uh, Derek Carr, excuse me, wasn't able to rush because they were able to uh, contain uh, car on the edges and then the interior pushed him in. So they kind of boxed him in all game on Sunday. They're going to have to do the same thing for Mahomes, And, um, that's kind of the most important thing here. Um, getting pressure is great. Uh, blitzing is cool. Uh, you don't want to do it too often, but that interior pressure is good. Boxing him in, in is even better. Anytime you get Mahomes any trash near his feet or any kind of semblance of boxing him in, that's when you saw those mistakes happen last week, or excuse me, on Sunday against the Cardinals. The uh, Cardinals didn't make him pay, but really it's about containing Mahomes, getting pressure in, ter uh, in the interior, and just making him feel like a little bit claustrophobic there in the pocket yeah I, you know obviously Mahomes is a completely different animal than than Carr it's going to be mm -hmm. much harder to pin him in and contain him but that is I think whether you're talking about what the Chargers do on offense what they do on defense or what they do on special teams discipline is going to be a huge part of winning this game they have to be disciplined they everybody has to do their jobs and when you look at the way the Chargers played particularly on defense last week I thought they were extremely disciplined. And we even saw disciplined play out of people who were not used to seeing it from guys like Kenneth Murray, for example, mm -hmm. who was doing some dirty work and it contributed, even though he didn't make the tackle, he contributed to run stops because he was doing dirty work on in the trenches. And I think we need more of that. The Chargers mm -hmm. need more of that. 
They have to be disciplined and everybody has to stick to their job. As soon as somebody starts trying to do too much, that's when you lose contain. And that's when, you know, you've got Mahomes rolling out or scrambling against his own defense with everybody's back to him. And now you're in trouble or yeah. I'm sorry, man defense with everybody's back to him. And now you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing just to throw it out there, um, which is something we kind of talked about last time when we did these previews last season is what's really important is these two high looks from Mahomes too. Um, they got to stick chargers got to stick there too high. Uh, this is obviously, this isn't the week to get cute. Uh, last season, anytime the chiefs faced the two highs less than 40% of the time, which was, uh, the Raiders who only did a single high, they scored 41 and 48 points, uh, this week on Sunday, for whatever reason, uh, just watching these games, Cardinals went a lot of single high and they got absolutely torched in the first half when they did it, they made some adjustments late, but this is going to be something they're gonna have to stick with. Even without Tyreek Hill, this two high look is going to be important and like we talked about there's gonna be a lot of spacing discipline like jamie's talking about very very important yeah i think you're gonna see probably a fair amount of cover two probably also a fair amount of cover seven and cover six um with the idea of finding ways to bracket kelsey uh, making it difficult for him to get open and beat them and forcing guys like schuster and valdez scantling and hardman, hardman. and mm -hmm. all these guys to make plays because uh, their wide receivers, for the most part, were pretty quiet last week. Schuster had a decent game, mm -hmm. um, but he's not somebody who's going to beat you deep. And I think you can kind of live with him catching, you know, six or seven balls for 70 yards as long as you're taking Kelsey away and they're not torching you deep constantly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think you kind of force them to be a possession, uh, a possession offense, you kind of force them to take their five, 10 yard passes to Schuster on the slants try to take away those deep overs and bracket Kelsey. That's going to be the big thing. They have to take Kelsey away. You know, if, if JC can play tomorrow, it's really going to help out with the game mm -hmm. plan because it, it allows them to be a lot more creative and a lot more multiple in terms of how they're going about covering Kelsey. You might see JC on Kelsey at times. You might see Derwin on Kelsey at times. Would not be surprised if you see um, Michael Davis on Kelsey at times. Um, but either way, if he can't play, it's probably going to be a lot of Derwin and Davis with Adderley over the top in bracket mm -hmm. situations. And yep. that kind of limits their ability to be creative with Derwin closer to the line of scrimmage. So you hope JC can play, but if not, I feel like they can kind of manage and at least take Kelsey away and find other ways to, to make the chiefs beat them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's uh, we got a couple questions here. First one from Joshua. Do you think the chargers have enough pressure only sending three or four guys what about sending Joey inside sometimes? Hey, we've been we've been team put Joey inside since he's been drafted. So obviously that's a yes. But do you think they can get enough pressure just sending three or four guys? Uh, I think they can, but it's a matter of is it the right kind of pressure? Um, I did not think Orlando Brown played particularly well on Sunday. There was a lot not. of pressure coming from the left side. Um, but like we talked about, I don't think that that edge pressure is going to be what what wins the game for them. Mm -hmm. It's got to be interior pressure. So they've got to find ways with three or four to create that interior pressure, immediate interior pressure. Um, whether that's Sebastian Joseph Day stepping up as a pass rusher, whether it's a big game from Morgan Fox, maybe they find ways to scheme Jerry Tillery open. I don't know, but they have to get mm -hmm. that interior pressure. So I, I think having Bosa inside is a really good idea. I'd like to see Mac and Bosa inside on key downs, third and fourth down on occasion, just to mix things up. Um, and I think some A-gap blitzes would help. 
sending yeah. just one extra guy at times just to mix mix it up. The Chargers only really blitz seven times uh, against the Raiders. Uh, I think they'll probably have to blitz maybe a little bit more. Maybe you see 10 to 15 blitzes to, on, on key downs, depending on the situations. Yeah. I still don't think they're ever going to be a defense that blitzes, you know, 50, 40, 50% of the time. But if they're blitzing, you know, 20 to 25% of the time, I think they could be pretty effective doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, they've got some guys who can definitely help. And I think, um, I do think that sending three or four guys can, can be okay as long as it's coming in the as long as you're blitzing in the right situations and you're getting enough guys on the interior to uh get some pressure so i'm i'm i think they'll be all right joey and mac inside is something that we always want every week it doesn't matter whether they're playing the chiefs or the jets uh honestly it's it send them anytime you can because uh it's it's always effective always um and then uh, Glenn Gordo, how does Trey Smith being questionable affect the game tomorrow? I mean, one of their better interior uh, offensive linemen. We're gonna we're gonna get to that in a little bit, but I think it I think it helps. I thought Orlando Brown struggled a lot against Arizona, and I thought their center uh, Sean Harlow had a tough time. And if um, if Trey Smith's questionable and can't go, then I think I think the interior pressure that's a you know a good game a good uh, indication that they're Hopefully we'll get some more interior pressure if uh, Trey Smith can't go because he's good. Did Creed Humphrey not play on Sunday? I thought he was their center. No, Harlow was no. I saw Harlow in there a lot. I could have sworn I saw Humphrey in there. I'll look. I'll I'll look up the snap count. But um, anyway, they were they were given a lot up the middle to Arizona. But what what do you think about Trey Smith? Maybe I mean, obviously they're better if he's in the lineup. And needing interior pressure, if he's not there, it should help the Chargers' case for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, let's see. And if you got a question, just shout it out there, Ethier. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about the receivers a little bit. Uh, you you mentioned it. Uh, Travis Kelsey was kind of the go-to guy against Arizona. Uh, he had eight catches, 121 yards, a touchdown. Um, we're going to definitely see a lot of Derwin and Michael Davis matched up, which is going to be good. And I think uh, the linebacker is going to have to pitch in as well. And we're definitely going to see a lot of brackets. I saw We saw a lot more bracketing on Sunday than I can remember all of most of last year, it seemed like. There was a Devontae. Once Devontae kind of went ham during that first half, that second half, they really started to bracket, especially in the red zone, where they left Derwin one-on-one on one side, and they just bracketed everybody else on the other sides, which I think is going to be fun once JC gets back, because that's what New England did with JC. So, because you know you could put JC Jackson on an island, and if he's ready to go and he's and he could play on Thursday, I think it'll be uh, really good. Um, the Mahomes really sputtered around though. You know, um, it's not so much going through Tyreek as they did last year. Since he's not here, they spread it around. They have seven different receivers have at least one catch of over 10 yards. He spread it around. They're going to have to limit those big plays because 10 plus yards to seven different receivers. They kind of just picked the Cardinals apart. Blitzing had a lot to do with that. Um, the way they schemed Isaiah Simmons had a lot to do with that. But Mahomes is an animal, and he's going to get his. But obviously, Chargers going to have to kind of limit those big plays. And really, on the other side here, Jamie, because uh, we're talking a lot of Chiefs, it's who's going to step up for the receivers for the Chargers. If Keenan Allen, who most likely won't go, uh, we saw DeAndre Carter step up, uh, made a lot of plays, but 
Uh, Mike Williams and Joshua Palmer combined for five catches for 15 yards combined. So these guys are going to have to step up on the road on Thursday. Yeah, I think um, they need. They obviously need more out of Mike and Palmer. My guess is, you know, watching the Raider game back, it seemed like the Raiders were really committed to bracketing Mike Williams. They went into that game plan saying he's not going to beat us deep. Mm-hmm. And they kind of they took away a lot of his manufactured touches, those quick passes, by dropping linebackers underneath his initial release. So even if he was he might have been open, there was somebody right there underneath to break up the pass. And I think we'll see a lot of that with the Chiefs this week. I think we'll see a lot of bracketing on Mike since he's their biggest weapon, and they're basically going to dare the Chargers' other weapons to beat them. And I think it's going to come down to Palmer and Carter making plays, and they might need a really big game out of Everett too if if Mike is erased like he was last week. They're going to need two or three guys to step up in a really big way. So for me, I think a big key is is unleashing Palmer. Game planning to get Palmer open in the deep and intermediate parts of the field. Turn him into that weapon that they want him to be. Get the ball in his hands. He's one of the few wide receivers on this team that can create a lot of uh, yak. Uh, he's got those strong hands, good jump, jump ball receiver. I think he has an opportunity to make a lot of plays against the secondary, particularly with Trent McDuffie being out. Yeah, and you, uh, just a correction. You were right. Creed Humphrey did play, and I was thinking of the guard who took over for uh, for Trey, Trey Smith. Smith. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and so um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because somebody's got to absolutely step up on Sunday if Keenan Allen can't go, and I think hopefully we'll see a lot more. Uh, aggressive game plan for these wide receivers like we uh didn't see on sunday when uh, keenan went out uh but let's let's talk about these running backs too because um we got to get to it there were three three guys it was a running back by committee for kansas city clyde edwards hilaire isaiah uh, pacheco and jarek mckinnon uh they all gashed the cardinals on the ground which is why that west coast offense worked for the chiefs and that's a big part of the emphasis on west coast offense is establishing the run so that it brings the defense in so then you can go horizontal and spread everybody out later and hopefully get some one-on-one matchup so uh chargers gotta obviously uh, stop the run that's gonna be a big part of it Pacheco was our leading rusher on Sunday, but he got a lot of garbage time, got a uh, rushing touchdown late. Uh, McKinnon, uh, McKinnon, Edwards, Hilaire were effective through the air. Uh, we saw one of the clips that I showed. Uh, Edwards, Hilaire had two receiving touchdowns, and uh, that group kind of got it all done on all facets of the facets of the game. So uh, while we talked about this wide receiver group not really being all that scary outside of Travis Kelsey, who's still a mainstay for that offense, uh, this wider this running back is going to be by committee and they're going to be rotating them a lot. Yeah. I think they're going to try to keep guys fresh and they're going to try to capitalize on their skill sets. You mentioned Edward Solaire with the two touchdown passes. It seemed like on both, he was pretty much wide open because of the spacing and the play design. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinnon, also a really good receiver. Uh, both those guys, I think were way more effective as receivers than they were as runners on Sunday. And it seems like Pacheco is going to be the guy who's going to get most of the touches in terms of carries for this offense moving forward. Uh, he had a really nice camp and got off to a good start last year. So to me, I think you want to force the Chiefs to be patient. You want to keep the top on the defense, mm-hmm. force Mahomes to hold the ball and check it down, make them go 10, 12, 15 play drives to put points on the board, basically dare them to run the ball. Because they really run the ball, not for show, but for effect, mm-hmm. just to stay balanced. It's yeah. not really a focal point of their offense. I think you want to force them out of their comfort zone and see if you can take away the passing game to the point, you know, with those two high shells, 
force them to run the ball a little bit, force them to be patient and go down the field and see if maybe you can get Mahomes to get a little impatient and take some chances that he shouldn't take. Mm -hmm. So uh, we talked about the offensive line. I thought uh, the Chiefs offensive line really played pretty bad against a pretty subpar Cardinals pass rush, really. Um, uh, like we mentioned, I thought there was a lot of, there was some interior pressure. Orlando Brown thought didn't have a good game and he's banged up too. That could be part of it. Um, he's still recovering from an injury, but, uh, this offensive line gave up a lot of pressures, uh, to, uh, Arizona who really, uh, is not even close to the same world as the chargers are in terms of pass rushers. Yeah, I think, um, I think their defensive line, or their sorry, their offensive line really struggled to protect Mahomes. I don't think they gave up a ton of sacks, but it seemed like there were people in his face pretty much all day yeah, long. They were um, lots of edge pressure, immediate edge pressure. And you mentioned the blitzing; they they were pretty successful blitzing, getting in his face. Although he got he made some plays out of that uh, off of those blitzes. So I think there's going to be some opportunities for the Chargers to make plays up front for sure. Mm -hmm. This is a much better defensive front than the Cardinals have. Much more talented, much deeper. I mean, the Cardinals' best best edge rusher is Marcus Golden, who is a pretty solid NFL edge rusher, but he's definitely yeah. no Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack. So mm -hmm. there should definitely be some opportunities, I think, to get to Mahomes, provided they can pin him down in the pocket and make him hold the football a little bit. Yeah, and for the Chargers, I mean, the offensive line did an admirable job. Uh, they kept Herbert clean for the majority of the game against uh, two very, very good pass rushers. They didn't give up a single sack against Las Vegas, but... Uh, make no mistake, they had their issues. And I think the offensive line, there's a lot of talk about how no sacks from either Chandler Jones or Max Crosby. Um, but I, you got to give Justin Herbert a lot of credit for doing an absolute masterful job of navigating the pocket and eluding pressure and making sure that he didn't get sacked. Um, Rewatching that game, uh, the offensive line was a little bit worse than I remembered watching it live. Uh, they, they definitely gave up a lot of pressures, but uh, to their credit, no sacks, but a lot of that has to do with Justin Herbert. And the Chiefs got three sacks on Sunday uh, against the Cardinals, but none of them were for their, from their edge rushers. They got uh, two sacks from their interior guys and Carlos Dunlap and Tershawn Wharton. And then the corner, uh, Legereus Sneed, got a sack on a corner blitz. So, um, you know, there was no real edge pressure for the Chiefs, which is obviously a weak point of their uh, defense. And the Chargers interior linemen are really going to have to account for those interior guys because that's where the pressure is coming for from the Chiefs, at least from week one. Uh, you have to account for Chris Jones, who was a wrecking ball against the Cardinals. But also they've got some interior guys that got some sacks uh, uh, last Sunday. And you got to keep Herbert clean. And so the interior guys are really going to have their hands full this Thursday. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, obviously you have to account for Chris Jones. I think he's one of the best defensive linemen in the league by far. Mm -hmm. yep. He's a guy that you have to know where he is on every play, and you have to probably have to double him more often than not. I think the Chargers have the offense, the interior of the offensive line that's capable of slowing him down and controlling him. Uh, you know, Naughty is not really a pass rusher. He's not somebody who's going to get to the quarterback very often. They've got mm -hmm. some decent rotational pieces. I think – I think the matchup for the Chargers offensive line sets up much better than it did last week with Jones and Crosby. And I agree with you. You know, I've seen people all week long talking about how the Chargers offensive line was amazing. You know, they, they kept Herbert clean. They, they, all these pressure totals coming out from PFF and all this. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it, it's all bullshit. Um, the, the, it's not that the Chargers offensive line was terrible. Mm -hmm. 
but a lot of those pressure counts, in my opinion, were not accurate. I had four, at least four pressures for Pipkins in that game. Uh, there were several pressures uh, from the left side uh, where Chandler Jones actually beat Slater pretty badly and Herbert avoided the sack. Herbert was a wizard in the pocket. Uh, his, <laughs> yeah. his pocket awareness and his internal clock uh, back there in that pocket as the pass rush is starting to collapse on him, where it was when he first started in the NFL and where it is now is night and day. I mean, he mm-hmm. is the way he's elevated his game and his ability to feel the pocket, manipulate the pocket, get out of trouble when he needs to, just kind of sliding under guys as Slater takes him around the the, the edge, things like that is phenomenal. And most of the success the Chargers offensive line had last week was because Herbert was tap dancing his way out of sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of throws where guys had their hands on him and he was still making plays, getting rid of the football. You know, his quick release, his footwork, his pocket presence, they're all just amazing. Mm-hmm. Just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but I think this matchup sets up much better. Uh, I think Frank Clark is pretty close to being done personally, and I didn't yep. think he really stood out on tape at all last week Mm-mm. against a pretty questionable Cardinals offensive line. Carlaftis <laughs> um, was pretty good. Not great, oh, yeah. but pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, whether it's Pipkins or especially Slater, I think – the Chargers probably match up pretty well with Karlaftis. I think Karlaftis is a guy you can run at pretty consistently and have some success. I know he was in college. I think that'll still that'll be the same thing, particularly if he finds himself on the left side of the Chargers' offensive line and he's got to try to handle Filer and Slater out there. I think that's a matchup that is not going to favor him uh, very often, if at all. Mm-hmm. So I think there are some matchups the Chargers can really take advantage of, one-on-one in particular, and free them up to be a little bit more creative and, and help out with, with Chris Jones in, in the middle of that defense um, a little more often than maybe they have in the past. Yeah, yeah, which which they can do now because there isn't really guys on the outside that you're really afraid of. Frank Clark, I mean, they were on the edge of cutting it, just outright cutting him in camp. They tried to trade him. Uh, Mike Dana got kind of flipped in and rotated in that edge group. Uh, Karloff just had a few sa- uh, a few snaps, and um, uh, he didn't really play all that often, was somewhat effective, got in the backfield, um, batted one pass down, but other than that, uh, there wasn't any other guy really getting to Kyler Murray. It was all in the interior. And so if you're getting a lot of help to Chris Jones, I think the matchup is very favorable for the Chargers to just get one-on-one matchups on the edges because you're not going to see a lot of those guys beat the uh, tackles, even though Pipkins might have his handful with whoever he's facing. But uh, for the most part, I think the Chargers match up pretty well with his uh, defensive line. And before we get on to uh, the Chiefs and their defense, let's talk about kind of uh, these questions that we're getting here. One of them is... uh, who do you, if JC plays, assuming he does, do you think he shadows anyone? Do you think it's going to be Travis Kelsey? I think we could see him on, I don't know if he'll shadow Kelsey, but I think we could see him and Derwin splitting responsibilities on Kelsey quite a bit if JC plays. Yeah. Um, I think the Chargers' other corners can handle Schuster. I think they can handle MBS and mm-hmm. Skymore and, and Hardman. Hardman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that matchup with Kelsey is the one that ultimately decides the game. And I think I, that's why you would see JC, JC and Derwin kind of split responsibilities there. I 100% agree with you. Something I was going to mention later, it all hinges on that matchup with Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. And if you're the coaching staff rotating JC Jackson and Derwin on Travis Kelsey, even throwing in some Michael Davis at times, I think you got a, a pretty good three, three man punch there on Travis Kelsey. And 
Kelsey, even though he's 36, 35, 36 now, he's still he's still running with those big boys. He could he can still do his thing, and he did against the Cardinals. Um, how do you feel about the run defense from Ryan? Um, how do you think it looked against the Raiders? I thought it looked good. Um, early, especially. Especially early. It was then, really good early. Mm-hmm. I think the Raiders kind of caught them expecting the pass. Um, in the third and fourth quarter when they had some big runs with, with Jacobs, uh, with Tillery on the field. I know a lot of people were quick to point out that, oh, they saw Tillery on the field and they were quick to run at him. I just think the Chargers were in their their nickel and dime packages expecting the pass and the Charge, the Raiders played the numbers and ran the ball down their throat and they had a couple big runs. But outside of a couple, two or three big runs for Jacobs early in the second half, they were really good. I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier. They they played very disciplined run defense as a team. Uh, in fact, I would say the front seven in particular was very disciplined both in the pass rush and in run defense. But run defense in particular seemed like everybody was doing their job. Yeah, Tillery found himself on his ass quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, Johnson played really well. SJD mm-hmm. played really well. The edges were holding their, their end of the bargain up and st- – oftentimes resetting and extending the edge and forcing mm-hmm. backs to to scrape along the line of scrimmage instead of getting upfield. Yep. Um, you had Murray on, on more than one occasion coming down and blowing up a blocker mm-hmm. and forcing somebody to bounce the ball back inside. And, and then you had guys like Tranquil and Derwin and Callahan filling their gaps and coming up and cleaning things up. And they were tackling as a team. So yeah. the run defense, I think, was really good. I think it'll get tested a little bit this week. Um, but I think it, I think it would, there's, there are reasons to believe that that run defense is much improved from last year. Oh, absolutely. And Mac, Mac Bosa, even Rumpf really setting that edge, man. They were beautiful on Sunday. And I thought Sebastian Joseph day on the rewatch was excellent. He did a lot of the dirty work absorbing double teams, just creating chaos at the line, kind of creating a wall on his all on his own in the run game. I thought he was great. Uh, didn't put up, I don't think he put up any stats, to be honest with you. I don't think he had a tackle, but he did all the dirty work in the run game, and that's why it succeeded early on. And just a correction, uh, Travis Kelsey's 32 years old. He's not 35. Like I said, he just <laughs> seems old. He just seems old. <laughs> <laughs> he just feels like he's been in the league for He probably feels almost, old, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh do you think, from Google Guest, can the Chargers rush for over 100 yards on Kansas City? I think they can because I think there are questions about the interior of that defensive line, and I think there are questions about their edge players, and I think mm-hmm. there are going to be opportunities to run the ball late, assuming they have the lead, and be very successful doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, uh, they. I mean, the running back group has got to get better as a whole uh, just in general, they were going against a somewhat suspect interior defensive line with the Raiders, and they got 70, 76 yards as a team on the ground. So uh, they got to be a lot better. And this is a better defensive front than they faced last week, but I think this is the bounce-back game for the uh, Chargers running game because they have got to, got to get some yards on the ground here, especially if they get a lead against um, – Mahomes. Let's yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure that the that the backs are necessarily the reason that the running game struggled on Sunday. Um, the offensive line was not good in the running game as a whole. They had their moments where they opened up some big holes, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of leaks and run blocking um, on both sides of the line, in the middle of the line. It happened repeatedly. They just weren't – it seemed like they weren't in sync, 
and this is a group that hasn't really played together in a year. They've added a new guard and a new right tackle. So there's going to be some communication issues. There's going to be some rust. And I think mm-hmm. they're going to play their way into shape and they'll probably be fine because this is a pretty talented group. Uh, but overall, I thought the, the offensive line was not nearly as good as people made it out to be um, mm-hmm. last week. And I think that was a lot of the reason why they struggled. They played a good defensive front. They didn't play well. They didn't communicate well. And they struggled. And I think they'll clean that stuff up with time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I Once they get cohesive, I think it's going to be a, a real, real good unit. Um, I So... There's a special teams question here in here, Jamie, and Junius is saying we spent too much time on special teams on Sunday. <laughs> Are you worried about Hopkins? Yes or no? We'll keep it real short. I'm not worried about Hopkins. He's a veteran. I think he'll figure it out. Um, yep. But I do think the Chargers to win this game are going to have to make one or two kind of game-changing plays in special teams, whether it's pinning the, the, the Chiefs deep on a punt or forcing a turnover or a big return or two. They're going to have to make some plays on special teams and watch out. We didn't get, we didn't see the Chargers have to recover any returns, uh, any mm-hmm. kicks last week. Really, there weren't any returns against them. The Chiefs had some big returns last week. Mm-hmm. Sky Moore had a good one. Hartman had a good one. So you got to watch for that because they have three or four guys or two or three guys back there who can really return punts and kicks. And if you miss a tackle, it could be a big problem. Now, I do think there was one return, and Jasir Taylor covered it up real well. He tackled him immediately. Yes, there was on one. On Renfro. Yeah. So, yes, uh, definitely something to watch um, as we go into that game in special teams. So, um, uh, anything else? So, we talked about Chris Jones. So, cornerbacks with McDuffie out. It's Legereus Sneed, Rashad Felton, who, as a unit, were pretty average last year. Um were very aggressive on Sunday, but with McDuffie out, who actually had a really good start to that game, uh, ended up getting hurt. Um, it seems like these Chargers corners have a pretty favorable matchup there on the outside too, and uh, especially with McDuffie out, and they got to win their battles on Thursday. Yeah, they've got to win one-on-one matchups and make plays, something mm-hmm. they didn't do really at all last week. Part of that was the game plan. Part of that was... They just weren't getting open. There was no yeah. separation last week. They've got to find a way to create separation and make plays for Herbert. Yeah, and and the Chiefs ran a real three-corner, two-safety almost the entire game. So that means it's going to be a lot of man-on-man on receivers going in on Thursday. So they're going to have to win. They were in nickel a lot, mm-hmm. um, which could work in the Chargers' favor. You know, if you've got linebackers covering Everett, maybe you get the occasional linebacker on a slot receiver kind of a thing mm-hmm. there could be some matchups to create there maybe you find carter on a, on a linebacker at some point so they they can create matchups that way um but they they've just got to win their one-on-one battles the, the mm-hmm. chargers receivers just were not getting open last week yeah and and i mean this is an obvious but it's gonna also come down to turnovers because the chargers forced three form fumbles got three interceptions trey mckitty fumbled but he fumbled it out of bounds KC didn't get any interceptions on Sunday, but they got their hands on a lot of footballs. They had like seven pass deflections and the chiefs forced four fumbles on the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals ended up recovering them all. So they were active on Sunday. But one thing to watch is the chiefs fumbled five times. 
Juju fumbled twice. He lost one of them. So even though they put up 44, they were really careless with the football. And that's something the Chargers are going to have to do, and they have to make it count. Because we mentioned earlier, there were, I counted three balls that should have been intercepted by the Cardinals. None of them were intercepted. Two of them hit guys in the hands, and they just straight up dropped them. So Chargers are going to have to make them count. They did on Sunday. They got to make them count on Thursday because that Chiefs team was really, really sloppy. And what? And another thing, too, Cardinals were pretty sloppy on their um, on their penalties. They got on the uh, five five touchdowns. They had three of them. The Cardinals set them up on a late hit out of bounds, a late hit on the quarterback, uh, a, a pi on the uh, in the end zone on a deep ball. So they gave the Chiefs a lot of short fields. The Chargers cannot do that, and hopefully they win the char- the uh, turnover battle on Thursday. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, the Chiefs have kind of always been loose with the football. Mm-hmm. Um, Mahomes is not afraid to take crazy chances with the ball. There's no look passes and, yep. he'll, you know, turn his back to the field and then turn around and flip the ball up. So there are always opportunities to force turnovers with the Chiefs. You just got to capitalize on them. Yep. You can't give away three interceptions um, when he's basically handing the football to you. And Juju was really loose with the football last mm-hmm. week. So hopefully they can take advantage of that as well. Uh, yeah. And I saw Junius make a point that I wanted to hit on. We talked a little bit about it on the on the recap on the after hours last week, but oh, sorry, that wasn't Junius. That that uh, was who was that? Jamie, go ahead, read his name. <laughs> I'm not going to read the name. <laughs> well, we're on a podcast. If if people dong are listening, too on, dong too long. Yep. <laughs> um, but we talked about this on after hours last week, and that is. It seemed like the Chargers were really focused on giving everybody a turn last week, particularly mm-hmm. in the red zone. And they went away from things that were working. Everett was working early, and they went away from him and forced the ball in the kitty. Carter was working early, and they kind of went away from that. So I think they need to stick with what works, and I think Everett needs to have a big game in this game. I think it's going to be really important that he is making plays against those Chiefs linebackers kind of getting past the second level and making catches in that void and having an opportunity to make plays with his legs. Uh, they got to take better advantage of those matchups and stop forcing the ball in the kitty. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, welcome all the chiefs fans in the chat. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys. So let, this is what everybody's been waiting for. The result, Jamie, our prediction. How are you feeling? Do the chargers win this one on the road on Thursday night? Marquee matchup, division rival. What do you got? I think the Chargers win. I think Atta it's close boy. because they're always close. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 31-27. Okay. I, I got to go in the other way. I think Justin Herbert's got to play a near-perfect game to beat the Chiefs here. And without Keenan Allen, uh, they're going to be missing Donald Parham, who's already been ruled out. I just, I just don't know if the Chargers get as many turnovers as they did last week against the Raiders. And I, it's going to come down to the final possession either way. I think, I think on a short week, Andy Reid has his team ready at home, and I think the Chargers lose this one, 26-24, and Chiefs win. Chargers are one and one. That's where I'm at. But, Jamie, I hope you're right. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate everybody joining us on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, We will be here right after the game on Thursday. Uh, We appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.